So what do we do with this message that we were reconciled to God even when we were enemies? It's an incredible message. It is uh, theologically stunning, and uh, there are many, many Christians who simply can't swallow it. Uh, They can't take the idea that God reconciles us to himself um, before we repent, before we believe. But this is what uh, these verses say. And it's so important for us to understand it. Now, some of us will argue with it and disagree with it and say this is not biblical and this is not theological. But listen, when you argue on that level, you're missing what is the great truth here and what is so good for your soul. You see, all of us in one way or another are dealing with sin and struggles. Um when I was a young Christian, I, within a few years of becoming a faith-believing Christian, I became a perfectionist and legalist. You've heard me tell you this many times. And uh, I sought, I began to believe that, um, that I would only gain access to heaven once I was perfect, once I was in perfect conformity to the law. Now, granted, I believed that, that the Holy Spirit and faith would bring me to that place, but I had no real assurance uh, that, I would, uh, that I was in, in good cahoots with God and enjoying favor with him and praising him because uh, I hadn't, of course, got anywhere near to perfection. But this verse throws all of that out and turns everything on its head, these verses. While we were still sinners, while we, uh, we were, uh, Christ died for us, while we were without strength and ungodly, Christ died for us. And then verse 10 makes it clear, as I pointed out last time, that the Christ's death for us is more than simply an option or a, a provisional arrangement but only activated if you work it, if you believe it. Rather, verse 10 shows us that when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. So the death of Christ, Christ's death for us, is a reconciliation with God. We are reconciled to God while we are enemies. Now then, I could preach that all day and it would mean absolutely nothing, zilch, nada, zero. If we do not understand how faith grabs a hold of this and runs with it. You see, you may have struggled with or you may be struggling with addictions like sex addiction, pornography, um, like uh, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, food addiction. And you may feel that you cannot be a true Christian, a true man of faith accepted by God or a woman of faith received by God unless you overcome these things. And you keep trying to repent and you repent for a day or two or three or a week or two or three, and then everything comes crashing down and you are in despair all over again. This may be, has gone on for years and decades for you so that you haven't darkened a church door for a long, long time and you just feel unworthy, one of those sub-zero or sub-Christians uh, while the, the better ones in collars and ties and nice-looking suits and dresses go to church every Sunday with three and a half kids. So it is all very confusing unless you know the way of faith. Now, faith says this in the midst of your addiction. Uh, 
Father in heaven, though I have not overcome this yet, though I still go back to my uh, haunts and my places and my uh, desires, my addiction to drugs or pornography, I praise and thank you, dear God, that I am reconciled to you in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. Remember what verse 11 says, not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. We did not receive this reconciliation by the quality of our faith, the quality of our repentance, the quality of our surrender, the quality of our commitment. We received it through uh, Jesus Christ our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for those who are not accustomed to this or have not heard this before, it sounds like blasphemy. How can we keep thinking or believing or saying to God, thank you that you receive me, that I'm reconciled to you, dear God, when I'm still struggling with alcohol or sexual addiction or drug addiction? How can this possibly be? Well, have you not taken account yet of the word enemy in verse 10? For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through his Son. We are reconciled to him by the act of Jesus Christ substituting for us and standing in for us. Christ is you. That is, Christ is counted as if he were you and as if he were counted as me. So that when we uh, come before God, we come before him in the name of Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about. Now you say, well, Colin, does it make a difference? I mean, if I start praying and thinking like this and praising God in the midst of a mess and in the midst of my desires and in the midst of my action as well as my defeats, uh, am I not just uh, uh, reinforcing my behavior and staying put where I want to be in my carnal nature? Look, it is the very opposite of that. The first thing you are doing when you praise God that you are reconciled to him is that you are recognizing that Jesus Christ is your Savior and your substitute who is standing in for you and representing you before your Father. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Well, that's an odd thing to say. He wasn't, was he, in actual, in actual fact? Crucified with Christ? Well, Christ was already dead, raised, and, and ascended to heaven when he said that. But he's identifying himself by faith with Jesus, which we have the right to do, because Jesus is standing in for us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it is not really I that live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. In the life that I now live by faith, I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is how we identify with Christ, you see. Now, does it make a difference? Well, you bet it does. The first thing it does is get you to come out of your darkness where you are in that isolated, lonely dungeon of your own self where you don't even commune with your own self. You're almost catatonic and you are simply in a miserable place of isolation, desolation, despair, discouragement, and you cannot move because there's nothing going on in your soul. 
But when you start to thank God and praise Him that you are reconciled even while you are an enemy, something starts going on in your soul. Your soul comes alive. You become present with yourself because you are now present with God. You are in the light because God has, you have allowed God by faith to come into your darkness. This means there is now a communion with you and God. There is a fellowship. Your soul has found its center again. Remember that alcoholism and drug addiction and sexual addiction and all the other addictions, gambling addiction, work addiction, whatever they may be, are a state of the loss of center. We do not know who we are anymore. We've lost the core of our being so that uh, without God we have no sense of self. And uh, then, of course, addiction itself is an escape from the pain of ourselves. So we're in limbo and we are simply people who do not know who we are. We are driven by uh, addictions, by impulses, by instincts, and uh, there is no guarantee what we'll do in the next five minutes because another instinct, instinct may strike in the next two minutes. This is the state of the person in addiction. This is why a, an alcoholic or a drug addict cannot be relied upon to keep a promise, to keep an appointment, because it depends on how his whims and wills uh, will be uh, when the appointment time is due. But once we begin to find a center and we keep praising God and affirming ourselves in that center, then things begin to change. For when we were enemies, if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, now then, this is the change bit, much more having been reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Because, you see, as you praise, his life is operating within you. You are calming down. You're learning that the darkness of that empty space where your soul has been uh, dwelling, that dungeon of the soul, is no longer dark because God in his wonderful grace and mercy and love for you has been able by your permission to come into your darkness, to be in that dungeon of your soul with you. And once Jesus is there with you, it's no longer a dungeon of the soul. It's like a little citadel, a little heaven, a little church where you and he meet. And uh, you and he converse and, and, uh, and communicate uh, together until the Lord is able to persuade you to come out of it, to say, well, uh, would you like to, me to walk you out of it now, my son, my daughter? And you say, yes, Lord, and you walk out into the sunshine, you see. What I'm trying to tell you, my friend, is this, that addiction is a state of the soul. It is not a state of the mind. And addiction is not stimulated by the drug of choice, but by the state of the mind. Where the mind is disconnected from God, it has lost its center. Where the mind is disconnected from God, the soul does know, not know of its own existence. It simply thinks it's a con conglo con conglomeration of cells and instincts and, and uh, uh, feelings. But once we have learned the way of faith, that we can talk to God even while our minds are in a state of enmity, then we begin to grow. 
But you say, Colin, what does this have to do with the new birth? I thought the new birth was new desires, new emotions, new motivations, a new heart altogether. You're saying we have an old heart, um, uh, and yet we can believe in God. Listen, the new heart is the heart of faith. It is not the heart of your flesh. You don't you do not have a new heart in your body in your natural carnal nature your carnal nature will always be a carnal nature a, a nature of sin and death until Jesus Christ comes again and re, uh, restores or rather b- brings to you uh, the immortal life and the incorruptible life and body But the new heart, the new life of faith, the conversion, the new birth, is the new birth of faith. Faith is not of the carnal nature. Faith is a gift from God. It exists within the spirit of man, which is not the mind of man. Do not confuse the spirit with the mind. The mind, the spirit, is is that invisible, undetectable, aspect of humanity that directs the mind. When you have the spirit of faith, you gradually direct the mind on how it shall believe, on how it shall think, on how it shall feel. Lord God, I feel an enemy to you. I do not believe I love you really. I don't. I believe I'm afraid of you. I'm sometimes bored with you, but I am more afraid of you because I fear you're going to take away everything precious to me. That is my mind, dear God, and I, by faith in my spirit, account it as powerless and dead, as having no power to separate me from you, Father, because you are the truth of my life. You can see then, this is Colin Cook, by the way, you can see then uh, how faith begins to affect your addictions. It begins to change your mind. It, uh, in, your natural mind is a depressed mind, and uh, your faith mind is full of brightness and light. And what your faith does is to impose the truth upon your natural mind so that faith slowly re-educates and redirects your mind. I hope you can understand that and work with it in the next few days and see how wonderful the good news of Jesus Christ is. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you next time. Cheerio and God bless. <music> 